Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining me today, he's a former Great Britain athlete, health and fitness coach, and entrepreneur. It's Brandon Hepburn. How are you doing today, Brandon? Good, man. Thank you for having me. I know that we've juggled some times around, so we're finally here. <laughs> we are so excited to have you on the show to talk about your Rise to the Challenge. What we'd like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. Uh, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> a young Brandon. Okay. Um, so I guess kind of like I grew up like up until I was like a teenager, pretty much. Uh, I grew up farm life in the UK. So like Oxfordshire is kind of just out the outskirts of London. Um, but yeah, I literally just grew up in a really small town kind of boy. Uh used to ride horses. My parents were big into the horse world, breeding dogs, all that sort of stuff. So proper farm life sort of thing. Um and yeah, like I just had a great upbringing. Um, I think it's one of those upbringings where you get family just say, just go out and come out back, come back at sunset sort of thing. <laughs> um, so it was good. Um, so I just, yeah, I just had a proper country upbringing. Um, same very much going into kind of secondary school or high school, um, for you guys. So kind of going into high school years, it wasn't really a big kind of high school, um, still kind of country town vibe. And then probably when I was like, between that transition like nine years old maybe a little bit before going into 12 my parents split up um and then my mum actually moved kind of kind of a little bit for, not too far but a little bit further away and she um she moved close to the river and which was awesome so she was like i'm gonna get some boats um so we can go on the water and i was like yeah this is epic like thinking yeah. like, my mom's gonna come home with jet skis um <laughs> turns out she came back with like a hundred dollar kayak and i was like okay this is really shit <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah and it just turned out the guy literally like a few doors down um used to be a, a good kayaker and he used to kind of do stuff for great britain and things like that and he was like hey i'll teach you um and honestly ever since there like i started kayaking um in the first year i made like a reserve athlete for great britain um I failed school because of it because I was traveling a lot um, and just because I was the worst dyslexic in the world um, just really struggled to read and write um, and definitely something that I think has affected me more so into later life um, I definitely think that for a long time I just thought I was dumb and stupid um, and that's definitely had a big effect on kind of confidence up until like early 20s to be honest um, but yeah man that's kind of it really um, and then I traveled the world kayaking really you talked about growing up in the farm life. Was that kind of your exposure to enjoying being outdoors? With a lot of people that see you nowadays with things you post, you love the outdoors. Was that kind of the beginning of really enjoying being outside where it kind of transitioned into kayaking where you are outside doing that also? Yeah, 100%, man. Like, I definitely struggled to like, even if I like, I don't know if yourself, like if I have to sit at a desk now and like work, I'm like, I can do literally like an hour and then I have to change location or something yep. like that. Um, so like I literally work out of coffee shops most of the time just because it's, it's more convenient and it's just better for my brain in a sense. But yeah, I've always enjoyed like, I've always had that attachment to nature for sure. Um, and kayaking definitely took, brought that out where you just saw places that you'd never be able to experience in the world. Like you can't be a tourist and go there. Like you're in the middle of nowhere on a river, like for us, that was like in the middle of Uganda, for example, and things like that. So like places you just don't get to experience. 
See, I enjoy kayaking, never would think about being competitive with it. I'm too, like, I'm more looking at, like, the landscape or, like, the nature, and I'm like, ooh, that's a nice waterfall. Ooh, I like being on the water. I'm not thinking, okay, I got to cross this finish line in, like, five seconds. But (laughs) was you always an athlete? You talked about being on the farm when school was difficult. Was sports something that you found a passion for or kayaking kind of came at a different time that you didn't expect yeah I think growing up like I don't think I was actually like good at sport in a sense um like nothing I used to there was a transition where I was playing rugby and I was kind of getting into kayaking so I kind of had to pick one because I was getting good at both mm-hmm. um and I did quite well at rugby and things like that but before those like I didn't really I was like a little chubby kind of kid like I didn't really do anything um and I think kayaking just unlocked that for me and then from there like I started to I think when you start I think and maybe at a young age you start to I hope my future kids kind of get into a sport and take it even if for a year take it that seriously um because you start to think about because I was working with companies then and then like oh shit like you need to do things for these companies at like 14 years old and you're like oh my god like you start taking on different responsibilities um but yeah, I think for me, like sport was definitely that outlet. That was it was the only thing I was good at. Like mm-hmm. it was the only A I got at school. <laughs> um, so like it was the only thing where I was like, oh well, I'm good at this, so I'm just gonna do this because that's in a sense that's I was like that's all I have. If that makes sense. With the making that decision between rugby and kayak, if you did that same scenario over and over, would you have done the same outcome? And or would there been that opportunity to go the route of rugby? There was, um, because my cousin now plays for England. (laughs) So so, um, potentially, potentially, man, it's hard to know, isn't it? It's like saying like, it's like, is it a regret? No, because I, um, because honestly, I had the most amazing seven, eight years competing for Great Britain in kayaking. So it's like, and also in a sense, it sounds really bad, but like rugby's a more, there's a more in demand. There's, there was definitely better players than I was and things like that. I wasn't. I don't think I had, I think hiking, I had a bit of a talent to it. I think I naturally would just, I just had this natural thing for it. For rugby, I think I would have had to bust my ass a lot harder. Um, And at that age, would I have done it? I don't think so. So I don't think I would have gone as far in that sense. What was the biggest thing kayaking taught you about yourself? Was there a certain skill that it brought out of you that you didn't know you had in you? At the time, I probably didn't learn as much as I look back at it now, definitely over the last year, I've looked back at it more. Um, but I think with kayaking, because it's a solo sport for us, like you go out as a team and you compete as a team, but you're on the water, you compete, you're against your teammates in a sense. And I think now it's like, I think, oh shit, like the things it's taught me, it's probably like, no one's going to do anything for you. Yeah. Like no one's going to do anything for you. No one's going to pay your bills for you. No one's going to come and save you. Like nothing. So I think that's starting to hit me a lot more now that I'm going to get into like late 20s sort of thing. And even just, I think at a young age, just being disciplined, like you need to be training at these times, you need to do X, Y, and Z. I think that was probably where my dedication started to build and then transit going into kind of fitness and bodybuilding now, it's pretty simple. Um, and I think that's from that upbringing in a sense. You brought up such a great point with, it's a solo sport. Like you can't, say oh it's your fault that i didn't do anything because you're the only one in that kayak you're the only one that has control over it and that same concept in a lot of other sports where it's solo is 
it's basically up to you on what that outcome is. And it kind of brings those skills of discipline and really how are you going to get across that finish line or how are you going to be able to get ready to compete? So it's one of those things that it really teaches you a lot when you don't even think about it, especially at a young age where a lot of times it's that participation trophy. When it comes to solo, it can be participation, but you want to win. Like you're not out there saying, well, I just made it. I mean, you did eight years representing your country. So you want to represent at the highest level that you can. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that was the nice thing that like you said there, like the participation side of things. Like the nice thing is there is that if, if you're not top three, if you don't stand on a podium, you might as well come last. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think that's one thing that I do struggle with society now. Cause obviously I have nephews and nieces now and things like that. And I'm like, the truth is like, you shouldn't be rewarded for just participating. That's not how we should be raising next generations and things like that. And I think we could debate the whole educational system, both in the U S probably and in the yeah. Europe and just the world, but like, you shouldn't be rewarded for just showing up like, because for me, like if I just show up on like for you, if I, you just show up, you do, Oh, I'm just going to stick the record button on and you don't have the backdrop and you don't put the effort and energy into it. Everything's going to be half assed. So I'm like, what do you expect for other apps? other areas of your life even if you get into relationships and you start building your partners or whatever that is i'm like if you just go and i'm just participating you know we're just together and we're just i'm like no you have to make an effort and you have to work hard at something otherwise yeah don't deserve to be where you want to be i think that's the nice thing that it teaches you i guess 100 percent agree did you ever feel pressure with representing your country in that kind of level not really the country side of things myself yeah a hundred percent i definitely there was moments where i was like i'm i could name probably every week there was a moment and every year i definitely had those there was one world championships where i was i was like the name in a sense there was a few of us that were like the names like and i didn't even make it past quarterfinals um so, so it's like the self-pressure more than anything and holding yourself to such a high standards that actually you just don't love and you don't enjoy the thing that you started. And I do that to this day now, like even training for me the last couple of weeks, there's been some barriers and stuff like that. And I can't stand the fact that I can't progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being an asshole to myself and I'm like, it's okay. Like a couple of weeks will not kill you. You're going to be doing this for the next 10, 15 years of your life. So what's two weeks. Um, it's like getting ill. So it's it more so the self pressure. I didn't, I always found it amazing to be part of, um, your country in a sense is insane uh so and i think most athletes would say they don't really not that they don't care but it's like it kind of goes bigger than that you're like mm-hmm. it's your reputation it's yourself and things like that like again like your country doesn't do anything for you like you just you represent them they're not there to save you sort of thing so it's all on your own shoulders and you have to learn to deal with those pressures i think it's the hardest thing was there a race competition moment from your career as a kayaker that is still stays in your mind at all times? A moment that's very valuable for you? Mm, it's a good question. I probably had two. You made me think about it now. Probably the first one was when I was young and when I first made the reserve team. Um, because I kind of just went in not expecting anything. My coach was like, hey, you can do this. Like, just go in and just wing it. And I ended up like actually doing quite well and that was the moment where I was like 
I think that was the moment where you finally think you're good at something and you're like, you get that confirmation to be like, oh, okay. Like I needed that to keep pushing me forward now. So that was definitely one that was probably like 12 or 13 years old. Um, and then honestly, probably the other one was actually, um, I was in Canada. It was a North American cup. Um, and again, just, I think I was, I think I was the only European there. So it's just Americans and Canadians and things like that. Um, they obviously they literally live and breathe right right at this spot like they wake up go to school come back to it sort of thing and then I had to travel across the world to it sort of thing and then I ended up coming third and I was like holy shit like I deserve especially in like you probably know it from obviously the US and things like that like the sporting mecca of everything if you look at the Olympics US do extremely well um so like the fact that you can kind of go to those places and sometimes just hold your own ground and be like okay like that's pretty impressive so those two are probably the biggest ones for me is there an opportunity that you didn't get that you kind of wish you had that opportunity to do with kayaking? I wish I, again, it's like saying like, I wish I had the mindset I do now when I was like 16, it'd be great. Oh yeah. But yeah, I would have took a lot more. I would have said, fuck it a lot more. If I'm honest, I would have just, started, <laughs> I would have just done so many different things. I think at a young age, you care what people think. And you care about, and the truth is no one cares. So like, I wish I just went in there with the no one cares attitude, just do it, just show up. And I think that would have took a lot of pressure and I would have achieved potentially more. Um, and yeah, I, I, I potentially could be, I could have excelled even more so. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think just having that mindset would have changed a lot of things. It's always interesting to look back at those times where you kind of like reflect and you're like, in that moment, you probably thought that is what I needed to do. I think it couldn't go anything differently. And now you're like, okay, well, I could have analyzed this situation better. And it's like, it's a, one of those what if situations because you can't roll back time, but you take that learning opportunity, like you mentioned, not caring what people think, and you can incorporate that into where you are today. Because I had that same challenge where I cared a lot about what people think when I was younger. Mm. Now it's like, I'm going to be who I am. And if people like it, cool. If they don't like it, they don't have yeah. to listen to me or look at whatever I post online. It's my decision to make. So you brought up a great point with looking back at that, because I think a lot of people listening will have that same reflection on, well, I could have done it that way. But now I incorporate that to where I am today. Yeah, 100%, man. And like you say, like, I always think that, especially with like the world that we live in now, podcasts, social media, YouTubes, and things like that, I almost embrace. Like, if people say this is shit or your shit or like you get <laughs> snaky comments, I'm like, good. That means I'm making it. It means that I'm pissing people off that are actually following me because I pissed them off, sort of thing. Um, so, no, it's amazing. And it's just like, again, like, it's just, there's certain points in your life and definitely like you've probably experienced it. Just life teaches you so much. You'll go through really hard times and, those hard times are so valuable yeah. and definitely now like the last kind of uh, this year has been a roller coaster. I think for a lot of people um, like every year could be, but this year I've definitely found more challenging from my mindset and I guess mental fitness, but you know what? Like I've never felt more just like fuck you attitude to everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just excited to take this year and put it into the, all my years in the future. Yeah. You mentioned throughout the interview, health and fitness has been a huge part of your life. When was the first moment that it really kind of took a big 
forward step in that direction. You talked about bodybuilding. Was that always something that you wanted to do kind of later near the end of your kayaking career? No, not at all. I had no like, um, like I kind of, when I kind of, I competed as a senior in kayaking for maybe two years. So like 18 to 20, but in those two years, it's kind of like, you're trying to sort your life out, aren't you? At 18 and 20, like you finish school, you go into university and things like that. You're like, right, I need to get my life together and decide what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And, um, I just went through a couple of years where I was just limboed. Um, I was kind of, I was kayaking still, but then I was like, well, I need to earn more money so that I can like kayaking was in a sense kind of free, like all your equipment and things like that, but you still have to pay to travel around the world and things like that. You don't get given everything. Um, so I was like, well, how can I do this? And I actually worked with a supplement company at the time through my kayaking. Um, and they were like, Hey, just come to, um, come do a photo shoot. We need to update website stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. And I went to this photo shoot and everyone was, there was these guys and girls and they're all absolutely killer shape, like absolutely shredded, like abs and these glutes that these women have big fucking bums and i was how do you <laughs> now what do you guys do um and they were like oh like we're personal trainers and things like that and i was like oh okay so you get paid to like train people and i was like hmm, i'm gonna do that because then i can earn money and still train and then still do my kayaking yeah. um and then honestly from there it just transitioned over probably another year i just naturally just kayaking kind of drifted into the background then i started in a sense, kind of bodybuilding lifestyle. Um, I started training like that and got into kind of the com- competitive side of that. Um, and that's it, man. And then we'll sit here seven years later. So, <laughs> With what, being a personal trainer, what was the challenging part getting that going? Because a lot of times, were you working at a gym where you were just helping anyone or did you have to really find the clients to work with? And that kind of brought a new like sales persona out of you yeah so there's kind of two options with like when you first start out in the fitness industry you either you can go fully self-employed straight away um or you can kind of go work for a gym and they'll potentially like they'll they'll give you leads they'll give you clients and things like that and they'll take a percentage of your hourly coaching with them and things like that and you can build up a client base that way and then do whatever you want to do from there um I actually had an interview to do exactly that. So I had an interview to join a gym and they actually never got back to me. So I was just like, <laughs> oh, okay. And um, I kind of just wanted to jump into it. So there was a brand new gym that was opening up in the local area. Um, it was self-employed. So you you were self-employed technically, but you did like, you didn't have to pay rent. You didn't have to pay gym rent. So you did 15 hours of working for them. So you taught classes or cleaned machinery in a sense. Um, and that paid for your gym rent. And obviously it was a lot way for you to network with people, meet potential clients. And that's what I did. Um, so yeah, like I just jumped in the deep end being self-employed. Um, somehow it worked. <laughs> I wish like, you know, when people like you get all these things like Q and A's for like millionaires and how did you build your business? What's the most? I'm like, fuck knows, man. Like you just throw <laughs> shit at the wall and hope it sticks. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, you just, I think all you have to do is just, talk to people like they're a human being and just be like, you have to resonate with their struggles. Like, okay, you're struggling to build muscle. You're struggling to drop body fat. You're struggling with your sleep. Okay. So tell me like, what's your life like? And you're like, well, I'll try this. And if you tell someone to try this for free and then they're like, oh, it worked. And then like, well, then they inquire and then they start to get, they start to learn you. And then you start to build up a client base like that. Um, Cause I think now we're in an era, like, I don't know if real sales works, if that makes sense. Cause I think everyone knows how, cold outreaches and all this sort of stuff and um so i think we kind of people have clicked onto that so i think now you just 
be yourself, build a personal brand, help people for free. And then cool. And then on a side, like if people want to pay to be in your environment, then yeah, you can work with me on that level. So yeah, I guess that's kind of, I guess that's the gist of it really. Um, yeah, just jump in the deep end. <laughs> well, nowadays it's like you see so many people on social media that say they're a coach and they may have like no background or anything. They just post what they normally do and say, oh, I know how to do everything correctly. And I think it's one of those things where people connect with people. Like if there's something that you mention that really connects with the person, they're more willing to kind of work with you and be a part of that business that you're doing or be a part of a client base for you. And I think it's so important nowadays where authenticity nowadays. And I think you're going to be real about your struggles, especially with being a fitness coach. In my opinion, I'm going to connect more because I might have been similar in that struggle. And I know that while you battled through it, I know that I can battle through it if I had the guidance or something. I just view it that way because it's like everyone is saying that they're coaches nowadays. And I think that's a problem also. Like I think... Because I've only just started doing it. I've, I'm helping other fitness coaches build their businesses um, and things like that. And I'm like, it took me seven years to kind of feel like I've earned the right to do it. And even then, I'm like, I just give them ideas. I just tell them exactly kind of what I've done. And I'm like, right, yeah. let's just make, let's just put your personal twist onto it. And that's the same, honestly, like with like my coaching. I'm like, I'm not the best. I, I, there's people out there that can write better training programs for me, better biomechanics and all this sort of stuff. They have better nutrition knowledge, all this sort of stuff. But the truth is, is like, I'm always simple works. It's really like simple stuff works. You just have to get good at simple, but I'm very good at, I think just being a human being and relating. I think that's the nice thing of having like, I know I've only, I'm only 28, but I feel like I've experienced a lot of life. Um, through traveling the world, seeing the world, seeing different struggles in the world, experience different struggles. And even now it's just like, I'm never going to like, if I had to write you a a diet or a training program, tell you to do X and Y and Z, I'm never going to give you something that I've not done myself. Exactly. So I'm like, like, yeah, this sucks, bro. I've done it. (laughs) (laughs) You've gone through it. And I think that what makes it better is you're not telling people to do something that you haven't put yourself through. And I think that's so important. With bodybuilding, a lot of times there's that negative aspect of people put their bodies to the limit and they kind of go extreme. Did that ever happen to you where you kind of were going really hard at the gym, fitness programs, diet, things like that, that it kind of took a wear and tear on you? Or did you do it in a healthy way where you weren't seeing those kind of results? I think if you ask anyone that takes anything, to a high level. So if that's business, if you're like, if you ask, I don't know, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk, I'm like, Oh, did you do it in a healthy manner? They'll be like, fuck no. Like they work, <laughs> they'll work. They won't sleep for weeks. They won't like, everything like that. I think there is time periods. This is when like everyone wants, I think this is like a thing right now. Everyone wants balance. Everyone wants this thing called balance. I want to balance life. I want to train. I want to, be able to see my friends and things like that. The truth is you can't have balance until you're unbalanced. Mm-hmm. So you need to know, like, for example, like if you are prepping for a bodybuilding show, so if you're like, right, I need to drop loads of body fat and we need to bring a condition that's unhealthy. That's it. Like you can't live like that. So you literally look like that for about 
one minute on that stage for that second, you cannot maintain that because you would die. <laughs> like it's unhealthy. So the idea is like, yeah, for this next 20 weeks, whatever it is, you need to have no balance and you need to go all in. Um, and I guess you said people say, is that quote, isn't there? Like, just go all in, put your head down for six months, go all in and you'll be in a better position as you are now. It's exactly the same. Um, and like right now, yeah, hundred percent, like you can live this balance, but you just have to go, you have to push and pull, um, and know when to push, when to pull, but that comes from experience. And I've, I know a lot of athletes in my life and I'll tell you what, you have to break bones and you have to pull muscles and you have to push your body to a limit to earn the right to be where you want to be so healthy yes but not all the time (laughs) you prefer that style of workout through going for a competition or do you like it from a coaching kind of side where you're not going that hard my training is everything to me so my training keeps my own self-development because I love coaching and I love my business, but I wouldn't get fulfillment if I just did that. I need to work on my own personal goals, my own self-development. So my training, I'll always train balls to the wall, every, like five days a week. Um, if I can do one more rep, it will be done. Um, I will leave and not be able to walk. That's fine with me. <laughs> um So I'm okay with that. Like that's just, I think that's just a DNA thing. I think that's just a, a mindset thing, maybe over years from kayaking, um, building that discipline and knowing that people always go, Oh, you know, it's all about working hard. I'm like, it is, but people are out there working harder than you. So uh, in my head, I'm like, I need to try and match that. Whoever's working hardest, I got to try and stay to that level to be, I guess, to live the future that I want. Um, because when I get to 40, I don't want to be doing this. No, I don't want to be pushing my body to these limits, but I know if I do push my body to these limits for the next five, 10 years, I will have another amazing 40 years where I can pull back. I kind of asked earlier with the kayaking, what did that kind of teach you about yourself with health and fitness? Have you learned anything new about yourself when it comes to that? Is there something that it's taught you? Every day, man, every day is like every day you're learning something, whether that's physical, mental and things like that. Like I've gone through the most, the difference, I think the difference with bodybuilding and kayaking is, is that, or a lot of sports that bodybuilding isn't. Um, I don't know, like NFL basketball, right? They have a time period where they don't play and they don't train yeah. because they, they they rest their bodies, they chill, they go away on holidays. Bodybuilding, you can't actually do that. Like it's literally, it's a 24 seven job because everything revolves around your food. Everything revolves around everything you do. And that's the thing that I noticed from kayaking. Kayaking was kind of more skill-based. Like, yeah, you had to be very fit and you had to train, but you could like, you could have a beer and you could do these sort of things, right? But bodybuilding, you kind of can't do that. Um, it is a 24-7 job, um, your sleep management and things like that, because everything revolves around the physical appearance of the body. So you need to do everything to make that physical appearance and performance the best it can be. Um, and I completely forgot your question. <laughs> it's taught you anything about yourself, anything new- Okay, yeah. So I guess it it just man, I've gone through the most, it teaches you mindset. It teaches you everything to do because like it truly like you just, you learn, I think, I guess if you had to compound it, you just learn to be so resilient in what you do. Um, Like when it sucks, you do it. When you don't want to do it, like you show up when it hurts, you do more. Um, And I think that it, 
those sort of hardship lessons you can translate into all areas of your life like it's a bit like if you have an argument with your partner or if you have big issues with your relationship like the easiest way to be is like oh we'll break up and we'll we'll just split up but the truth is it's like that's that's what you have to do like right we're going through hardship now we have to push through it and work through it how do we overcome this um because everyone's like oh relationship and things like that should be easy you should be just like relationships and love is fucking hard work yeah. like you have to put you have to put energy into loving your partner how they want to be loved you have to be very self-aware of their needs their wants and things like that so exactly the same like tr- i think sport and bodybuilding teaches you exactly that as well i think everyone wish it was easy snap of the fingers it's all done but that's not how life works I'm- unfortunately no and i think that's the same thing we'll obviously like same like western world i think we like definitely my generation i think like maybe even earlier now it's just entitlement people are oh, i yeah. worked hard i ate a good meal and i'm like like when do i see results and when do i earn a million pounds or a million dollars whatever it is and i'm like yeah do this for like six years bro <laughs> like <laughs> like the truth is is that no one just wants to put in the hard work for a long period of time yeah did this journey that you've been on with your career ever take a, a effect with your personal life? Were you able to balance that out where you're able to still enjoy what you like to do, travel or hang out with people, but still have that fun professional life? I'd love to sit here and say, yes, I would. Um, there's moments like, so I think the relationships, I've been with my partner a couple of years now, and that's been before that no um I was very like so that would have been like five six years that was just head down be just just go just go um and I didn't I don't have any I I don't have any relationships from old school friends anything like that anymore um all my friends now are other coaches or other athletes um and obviously like you know family and stuff like that but otherwise i don't really have relate because i can't relate to other people now i can't re- i struggle to relate to other people so now like having my partner and having an athlete and other coaches that hold themselves to high standards now we're like we do have that balance a little bit more now so like on friday evenings saturday afternoons we unwind a little bit more from work and training and things like that and we take sundays and we go do something and stuff um but that's kind of it. And then I, I hold that mindset until I don't know if I think I'll always, I might always have that. I might until I have kids and things like that. It might be different in my life. Uh, but right now I have, I have things to achieve and I, there's certain things I just can't do. Do you know what I mean? I can't go out for an afternoon with people that don't bring value to my life that just want to go and drink and do all these sorts of things. I can't do that. Um, because I have, a lot of clients to look after their needs and I just have I have shit that I've got to do and again holding myself to high standards I guess you talked about relatability and I think sometimes people especially I think for me it's like I don't talk to anyone from high school because yeah you go to college and then you're with those people in college 24 7 living with them and yeah. it's hard even with some of those relationships because you're at different points of your lives with the relatability with other coaches, 
Is it because it's focusing on the goal aspect, like their goals are similar to yours and what you both are wanting to achieve, that that's where the relatability is with like having them as friends or even um, acquaintances in a way. It's more on you guys are trying to achieve the same outcome and that is what it's exciting to be a part of their lives also. Yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of it is just to feel like... to be under not to I don't mind not being understood that's okay but sometimes it's just nice to know that I'm not alone like because when when you get entrepreneurial people when you get athletes you are the two percent the five percent so sometimes you feel very isolated um and you feel very lonely at times um and you look at I don't know you'll scroll through social media or you go through Facebook and you're like oh they've gone out on a Friday should I be doing that like I'm 28 years old like should I be living my life and should I be like doing these things and so when you talk to other people you're like okay I'm not the fucking weirdo like thank god like I'm not the broken one here um so a lot of it is like and honestly it's the same reason I have a coach like I've I've had a coach obviously from kayaking all the way to this day that looks after my nutrition and training because truthfully, like, I can do my own training. I can do my own nutrition. Number one, I don't want to worry about it. And you just say, right, you tell me what to do. I'll execute on it. But truly, it's someone that understands. So I can be like, bro, I'm struggling a bit today, feeling a bit fatigued. Um, He's like, cool, like, stop. Like, don't do this, do this. And like, I just need that reassurance a lot of time. And I guess it's the same when it comes to friendships and those relationships. Transitioning into a fun conversation it can be fun. Content creation is something that you are passionate about from what I've seen is where you like to showcase the progress of clients or people you've worked with, but also really educate and teach from your own experience. What gets you excited about making a post and really sharing your experiences, your education, the things that you do with traveling, moving and things like that? Yeah, I think like I enjoy I think, again, that was probably stemmed like when I was kayaking, we always had to produce videos for sponsors and things like that. So I kind of got used to kind of the editing and things like that. And I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed kind of making videos and things like that. And I guess that skills worked well when your job social media, technically. <laughs> um, yeah, I find it really interesting. I do find business and I find marketing really interesting now. Um, like I study it a lot more now. But I think for like, it all comes down to like, I wish like people when I started were telling me these things, I guess, like, um, because like the truth, I, I like talking about training and nutrition. It's cool and everything, but it's kind of out there. Like you can literally Google and YouTube, like everything, how to be a millionaire, how to be, how to build 50 pounds of muscle, like all this sort of stuff It's already out there. So I'm not going to tell you anything that's new. Um, I'm going to tell you just things that like how I would approach it and my experiences and what I've done with my clients and things like that to do it. Um, cause I think again, people can relate. People are like, Oh, like that's not too rocket science and shit. I don't have to do keto and I don't have to do intermittent fasting and I don't have to train seven days a week for six hours sort of thing. So you're like, no, nah, you don't like, you don't have to do much, man. You just have to do it for a long period of time sort of thing. Um, so I guess I kind of just enjoy, I, you know, I enjoy documenting and I've been really slack on it, even with my own podcast and own YouTube the last couple of weeks have been really slack. Um, so as of Monday, hundred percent, I'm, that's it. It's a video and a podcast every week. So we'll do the switch. I'll get you on mine as well, man. Um, but yeah, I think that's the, probably the biggest thing. Like, I just like documenting, to be honest. I like just showing the world what I do and I wear my heart on my sleeve. So I don't, I don't give a fuck if what I post really. <laughs> 
Is there anything that maybe a comment that someone said that was very, not memorable, but very positive for you in this journey that you've been on? Something that someone said or that was like resonates with you? Um, lot you get lots of, I guess maybe not so much comments. You get lots of DMs saying that I can relate to this. Thank you for sharing like all those all the time. I think the biggest ones actually just come from your clients every day. Mm-hmm. Um, not you're not even every day, but like they might just say like, it sounds really silly, but like if you ask for a referral or you ask for a testimonial and things like that, um, I've done that obviously over the years. Like I always ask clients for like, hey, can you just film a little video just so I can use it as testimonials and things like that to help the, myself and the brand? And you get so shocked at what they say. And you're like, holy shit, like I've really, I've done that to your life. Um, and obviously I've worked with thousands now of men men and women all over the world now. And it's like, it's the impact that you make on their mindset and their life. Like I've, again, like, it's like, it sounds really harsh, but like I had one lady that got a divorce because like, she was just like, I'm so unhappy. And I was like, just, I'm not, I'm not, I told her to get a divorce, but I'm like, what she learned and things like that over the way, realized, well, this isn't my person. It's not that they're a bad person, but we're just not compatible anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and loads of these things. Like, again, like people have lost over like a hundred pounds and things like that. And they just feel like, man, I can't even, I can't even imagine what it feels like to lose like the mindset of being a hundred pounds heavier and then going that you have abs and you can keep that all year round that you can just take your top off and feel amazing. I can't even fathom how that would feel. Um, and just completely 180 in your life must be insane. Um, so I think it's just those little messages or comments you get from them. Like, Oh, like, thank you for just being in my, thank you for just being in my life. And you're like, cool. My day's good. (laughs) When you get those like DMS, does it make you feel like I'm proud of what I'm able to do? This is kind of the, kind of the road that I was dreaming of living and being able to help people and accomplishing their own goals kind of really shows that you were meant to do this in a way. Yeah. hundred percent is there's always that, I guess that endorphin hit, right? You feel amazing for doing it, but it's it's weird because sometimes you feel like an imposter as well. Yeah. Because like, you're like, oh, like me? Because you're like, I'm just this, I think there's always this point where you put yourself, I was in my head, I'm always this insecure, dyslexic, dumb kid. Like I'm always that person. Um, So you're like, really? Like me? Like and then you're like, okay, like, fuck, like, okay. Uh, but I also think that's the thing that grounds you as well. And it doesn't let your ego run away with you. And I think it's the key thing that keeps you relatable because you still just think you're this, I don't know, this little kid sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, I, I don't think that'll ever go either. And I'm kind of glad it doesn't um, because I just listen to it differently now. For people that are listening to this on the audio, you're not going to see Brandon from that. But if you're watching this, I want to talk about creativity with what we can see with your tattoos. Because if anyone goes to your social media, they'll see them all. What got you wanting to have all this creative art on you? I call it creative art because I have one and I feel it kind of represents who you are from a personality. There's certain hidden messages when it comes to them, unless you just got them and it doesn't have a message. But talk about when was that first one? What's your favorite piece that you have on you? Do you know what's funny? I like I now that I 
again, I've done a lot of reflecting this year. And I always wondered, like, I got my first one when I was like 17, maybe. Um, I actually asked my mum to come with me. She did. I can't believe my mum did that. It's just like, you're not even 18, like, come with me. She actually did. So I thought it was pretty fucking cool. Um, <laughs> but do you know what? I think my first few tattoos and things like that, if I look back and I assess, I was definitely trying to hide behind them. Okay. Um, so I definitely think it was a thing to be like, don't look at me, just look at this sort of thing. Um, and I felt I was very insecure. So I started getting some tattoos, things that I liked. Um, so I think like that's where it stemmed from. And then it probably still has that thing. So now it's like, it's still like my way of, I don't know, saying that I'm not confident still. Do you know what I mean? It sounds really weird, but it's my way of saying like, hey, the more ink I get, it's the more stories and it's the more insecurities and it's the more powerful that I feel, whatever it is. Um, but I don't know, a favorite piece. I kind of, I got to the point where I did just kind of look online and I was like, Hey, can we do this? This is sick. <laughs> um, but I think my favorite pieces are just really simple ones. Like I've got like my mum's numerals here for her year of birth. Um, and I think I've got her, I it, like her date and month there. Um, just really simple ones uh, that are really corny, but mean a lot. And I think I got like, my second one was like free. So I got free under there and I got some random ones on my neck and stuff like that now, but just little quotes and stuff like that, that I live by. Like I got like 1%. Um, again, like my podcast is called that. Like um, it's kind of the morals of my life. And I'm just like, all right, just, just keep going 1%, just one step forward every day. Just keep moving forward. Um, so little ones like that, I guess. Especially with tattoos, they're permanent. So you have that 1%, which it represents your you as a brand, but also means more than what your podcast means. That kind of represents, and even the word free, that has more of a meaning. And you see it and you kind of look at it and you're like, wow, like this is, there's more to that. Is there a piece that you're wanting that next? Is there another tattoo on the horizon? <laughs> We're going to come I back to this interview years later and be like, did you get that tattoo yet? <laughs> and then you're just covered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I definitely do. Um, I think obviously with bodybuilding, like there's parts that you don't want to hide as much. Um, and you have to be really careful, kind of not careful, but like, I don't think it matters. But I think if you've got certain areas, it would take away from muscle definition. Yeah. Um, so I don't really want to do the areas that I do want to do until that's kind of over with now. So like, I don't have any desire to kind of go do full sleeve sort of thing. Uh, I quite like seeing, um, I like skin still. I like seeing skin and things like that. Um, but I do eventually want to kind of get all the back of my head, kind of my neck all done and stuff like that. So it kind of all blends into here. Um, I think I'd get my whole leg done when I'm kind of done bodybuilding. Um, but I don't know what they would be. I think they would just be the, the kind of, sh- the, the things that I've got already, but just, yeah, a bit more spiced up. Yeah. When you're not working, what do you like to do for fun? And don't say working out because that's what you do for your career. What besides yeah. working out? What do you like to do? Um, truthfully, I don't really have like a hobby in a sense, and I do want to get one. Um, it sounds really cliche, but like when I guess so, like we said, like bodybuilding is twenty four seven. So when you don't do anything, you actually just think about resting and recovering as much as possible. So obviously because like i live in i live in dubai and things like that so it's nice doing just things like you go to like a shisha bar and you sit by like you just kind of chill out with some friends and things like that like really corny things like me and my partner we love to eat like she's a big foodie so we like eating a lot and we like experimenting different foods 
we're coffee snobs so we do like to go <laughs> we do like to go try different kind of like uh like fancy little coffee shops and like little bakeries and things like that um obviously if we're not harsh dieting and stuff um so yeah little things like that man um I'm just all about the little things and it's even nice just obviously like just obviously Dubai is nice but it's not the same as kind of Australia here like the beach is here pretty phenomenal so like just going on like long beach walks with um my partner's got her little dog here and stuff as well so it's nice just doing things like that um but yeah honestly man like it's like you know when you're like your parents always say look at this amazing sunset or sunrise and you're like when you're a kid you're like yeah so like but now when you get older you love these things <laughs> like and you're like i just appreciate the little things or even if it's just like we go home shopping and you're buying a new plant and you're buying a new duvet set or something like that like i just like the little things now so i guess that's what i would do as like pastime sort of stuff yeah you said your partner is a foodie do you guys cook together or uh, so she's actually a, she we do the same job so she's another online coach um okay. we literally do exactly the same job so she's actually i'm like, like an amateur competitor i'm not a professional in a sense with um but she's a professional bikini athlete um so she obviously she's at a much higher level and things like that as well um but yeah we do you know what we don't actually cook together because we both have separate meal kind of plans and things like that we eat this t- together at the same sort of times and things like that but I normally cook up actually most her meals for the day because I'm up earlier so I'll cook up most her meals for the day and yeah we just eat together really but then we're like we'll go on date nights and things like that every week and we do little date things where we obviously share and eat a lot of food together <laughs> <laughs> you just mentioned that du- living in Dubai and Australia was that a goal of yours to live in those places or the opportunity happened and you got yeah man I think just like if people go like oh where do you want to be in five years I'm like bro I don't know because the last five years I didn't plan on any of this (laughs) (laughs) no Dubai was definitely one of those things where it was obviously like I don't know like it was it was the pandemic years right um and there's I don't know about the US but the UK we had little random lockdowns like lockdown then little gap and lockdown and all this so so you just like it got to the point where I was like you know fuck this like this is when the Dubai hype was kicking off. I knew a lot of other coaches were going out there because gyms were open. It was like one of the only places there, Florida and Texas. <laughs> like, <laughs> they were the only places where things were open, kind of. So I was like, right, let's just go there for three weeks, um, come back. And honestly, man, I just, I struggled with insomnia for a long time. So I struggled kind of with my mindset for a long time. So I had insomnia for like a year and I went to Dubai and I slept. I slept for three weeks and I just slept every night for seven, eight hours. And I was like, I'm going to move <laughs> like that was it. That was the <laughs> defining factor of me packing up my bags and moving. Um, so yeah, literally I went there in the November of, I don't know, 2020 or something like that. Um, and yeah, man, in the January I moved, that was it. So just packed up my bags in a month, got rid of an apartment in London, gave all my stuff to my sister and that's it just went. Um, and then 10 months later, my partner actually moved there as well from australia so she moved there she had a job opportunity there um and moved there and that's how we met and that was it yeah wow yeah so you didn't go to dubai who knows where your life would have been that's it man that's the same thing rugby or kayaking who knows (laughs) (laughs) so true the final question i'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge good question man i think if anything 
set high standards for yourself believe that you believe that you're enough and you should like believe it's just set high standards for yourself whether that's coming from the person that you want to meet don't settle for less things like that like again don't settle for less for your health your career things like that set yourself to a high standard and honestly just like get aggressive at just keep going just like just keep going that's it like when it sucks keep going harder when it sucks even more keep going harder um because honestly if you just keep showing up there will be light at the end of the tunnel even if you can't see it right now well brandon i want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge you're inspiring so many people and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you I appreciate it, man. No, honestly, it's nice. It's nice to um, have good conversations. Again, we're like-minded people, man. I know what it's like when you run your own show and things like that. It's, it's, it's hard as well. It's definitely tricky. So no, I appreciate your time, buddy. Thank you. Tune in next time. Hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to get the full-length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.